Welcome to the Candid Christian Podcast, a weekly conversation where we candidly explore the areas of life that Christians often shy away from. No topic is off limits because I believe that God has something to say about every area of our lives. All right, that's enough talking. I'm your host, Kamara Dorsey. Let's jump right into the episode. Today, I'm so excited to have Sister in Crisis, me, Jordan Miller, to share her experience with being a single mom. So how are you doing today, Jordan? I am good. I'm happy to be on here, and I'm just so proud of you. I know I already said that, but I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here to share your story and share your experience. So can you just um, just give a little background to listeners of like who you are and like what you do? Yeah, so I am Jordan. I am a single mama to the sweetest six-year-old boy, and I've actually only been saved since 2019. So there was like a radical shift in my entire life within four years of just knowing God and loving God. And I'm very, very passionate about healing and teaching others how to heal because it was something I never did. So I love just what this podcast stands for because it's about sharing our testimonies to bring hope to others. And that's something I love to do. So well, I'm excited. You're excited because we're about to jump right in. So you, <laughs> you mentioned a little bit about um, you're a single mom and you have a beautiful, beautiful child. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just start off at the beginning? Like how, how did you get there to the point of, you know, being a single mom? Yeah. Yeah. So I moved, I live in Illinois, but I had moved to California in 2014. It was just a like quick one-way trip there, wanted to radically change my life. And I encountered God there. So when I encountered God, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's a new love. But I was desiring to be back home with my family and my friends. So I came back to Illinois and I backslid. I started doing a lot of drugs, drinking. Um, I met a man who is Jill's dad and I did not know who I was. So I morphed into this image, hoping that he would like me, keep me, want me, Um, And then after six months of dating him, which is not very long to know somebody, uh, I found out I was six weeks pregnant. Mm. So I would say my son is a helmet to me because he brought me into salvation to know God because I I didn't actually submit to God until 2019. And my son was born in 2016. So there was just so much that happened through my son being born that changed me because I, I actually feel like I needed him. Whether I'm a single mom or not, I needed him. And I just feel very thankful to be a mama, whether it was an ideal situation or not. The brokenness kept me bowed at Jesus's feet, you know? Yeah. So um, can you talk a little bit about the process um, before you like went on your trip? Um, Kind of like, where were you at? Because you talked about you were um, you were, you knew Jesus before that moment yeah. a little bit, but yes. So I actually like hated God. I was very mm-hmm. convinced that if God existed, that he was a bad God, um, because I lost my dad when I was 12 and he committed suicide. So I was like, if God really exists, how could this, you know, occur? Um, which actually is, I think my purpose now, God has used that to just re- reaffirm my purpose that it's to make others feel seen, heard, and loved because I know my dad felt that way. He never felt seen, heard, or loved. So I had this perception of God that he was a bad God. It was very distorted. So I actually had left with hippies. I won't get into that because it's very long, but I I left with hippies. Um, I packed one bag. We slept on sidewalks. We sounds crazy. Like if my son ever does this, I'll be like, "Ah!" (laughs) but 
I left with hippies. I slept on sidewalks. And then I asked them one day, I was like, do you guys believe in God? They're like, yeah, we do. And I ended up sleeping outside of a church on the pavement. And it was a Sunday morning. I woke up and people were walking in the church and they were just praying for us. And I was still mad, you know, like I was out on this journey to explore and to find the answers. I wanted to know, like I was tired of being chained down to my circumstances. I was just overcome with so many things that had controlled me. I came from an abusive childhood. So that, that was all I knew, right? So I didn't ever really know freedom. So mm-hmm. I was out exploring with these hippies to know freedom. And then I realized, okay, I can't keep living this way because I don't know what what can unfold from it. It's kind of dangerous. Like who knows? So I booked a one-way flight to California and I wept for days and days and days because I just, it was maybe the first time I had actually silenced the world and got still enough to encounter God. Mm-hmm. And when I encountered him, I remember I was very stoned and I was sleeping on the pavement. Um, I looked up and God said, Jordan, you are that bright star that you see in front of you, but there's so much fog surrounding you. And he meant that internally as much as he did externally. There was so much fog from smoking weed. It always had me in a daze. You know, I was just very pulled out of reality. And so when I encountered his voice and his love for me, I didn't have community around me that was saved. I didn't have um, anybody to steward the seeds that were in me. So I was just like, how do I even understand the word? How do I understand the Bible? Which is now what I'm passionate about teaching others because I know the complications that can come with it if you didn't come from a church, you know? So I had this like new awakening, this new experience, this new encounter, but it was only that, right? It was only an encounter. Like an encounter can sustain you for a minute, for a season, but if you don't keep pursuing him, it's it's not going to keep you. It's not going to sustain yeah. you, you know? So that encounter with God, it, it really shook me and it woke me up um, so much so that when I actually moved back home before I met Dion's dad, I would be doing cocaine and going to church, you know, like I was, I was trying to have it the best of both worlds and I'm just being very transparent because I know it's going to help somebody, but I was just trying to still live how I was accustomed to live and yet still have this freedom in God, this love with God. What does it mean to really even be intimate with God? They always say God is so near you. What does that look like? What does that mean? I don't understand it, you know? Um, so I was just trying to live both ways and it obviously did not work. And it was when I knew I was radically say, uh, seen by God that that's when I really started pursuing him with all my heart because I have a son now who needs God. And I did not want to raise him in a life of trauma. You know, I wanted him to know the love of Christ. Yeah. That was thank a lot. You for, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was perfect. Um, thank you for sharing that and being transparent because like you said, it's going to set somebody free. Um, so you went on that trip, you came home, you said you missed your family. Um, what was like, so you came back home and like, kind of what was, what was the process after yeah. that? So when I moved, my parents had actually kicked me out because I was um, just kind of, you know, destructive to everyone around me. So when I moved, I hadn't talked to them for months. Um, and then when we finally reconciled and restored, it was like, oh, I really want my family. I was only 18 at the time, 18, 19. Um, I think I was 19. So when I moved back home, it was just like, okay, I got my job back got my family back. I got the same friends that I was running from. I got them back. So I, it's like nothing ever changed. Like I moved to California and it was like moving back home. Nothing ever changed. I went right back into my lifestyle, if not worse than what it was when I left, I went right back into the same pit that God pulled me out of, you know? So then when I met this man, it was like, I had been so alone, 2000 miles away from home that I desperately desired somebody to want me and to, to love me. And so I settled for lust and lust we can confuse with love, you know? And so I, um, I'm going to say this 
carefully because it, it does not mean I regret being a mom. I don't regret my child at all, but I conceived at a lust, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is no wonder that I am in the situation of being a single mom because the choices that led me there were not based out of a pure love. It was based out of um, a searching and a wandering and a needing versus a satisfaction, you know? Yeah. And can you kind of like walk us through the process? Cause you talked about how you can, you know, you can see that as less and just, you were just searching for anybody just to be like, you know, I want to be with you. So can yeah. you kind of walk, walk us through like the process of um, even you getting into that relationship Yeah, um, and what that looked like? Yeah. So we actually live in a very small town or we did, um, we live in a very small town. So I actually knew him already. He was in a friend group of mine. Um, he was older than me. So I, I have always known him like in high school, he was very well known for how good he was at certain sports. Um, so I've always known him. So we actually, we had talked while I was in California, just as friends, it was never anything more. It was just like, Hey, I want to move to California. And I was like, you should like get out of our town, you know? And then when I moved back home, we ended up partying together one night. And I mean, one night of partying is all it takes when you're dating somebody, you know, like it just takes a quick blunt and shot for you to like fall into a lustful trap. So it, it was just more so like we had already talked, we were on the same page of what we were wanting and that's how it came to be. Yeah. And so when you found out you were pregnant, what was, what, what was your reaction? What was his reaction? What was your family's reaction? Yeah. So I was super emotional and we had just moved to Florida together. So like Mm -hmm. six months of knowing him, here we are, like another crazy move. Um, And it was just very, I I didn't know if I was crying because we moved. I didn't know what was happening, but I had a dream probably seven days before I took a test that I was pregnant. And I was like, no, there's no way, you know, like that's from the devil. Like I'm not pregnant, you know, whenever (laughs) we don't like it, we're like, no, there's no way. But the more I considered it as those seven days passed and like what I was eating, I went to the gas station one night and I got Sour Patch Kids and pickles and I never like, that was a consistent thing for seven days. And one, one day the gas station guy was like, you're eating a lot of pickles. I'm like, <gasps> I am <laughs> like, I just knew, you know, you hear that theory, but it was actually real for me. So I knew I was pregnant. So I, um, I had already had a pregnancy scare the month before and Dylan said had made it known, you know, that his lifestyle can't accommodate a child. And so he, we had talked about if it happens, what would you do? And in my mind, I would never consider certain decisions and I'm not judging anybody that does because I know why and how it ends up there. But that I just, I couldn't live with myself if, if I did that. And so I, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh gosh, I don't know how this is going to accommodate his lifestyle. You know, like, what am I going to do? I'm 20, like 20 is very young to have a radical shift. I have only known this guy for six months. We were very unstable, very unhealthy, very um, toxic to each other. So when I found out, I think I was disassociate, to be honest. Like I was pulled out of reality, whereas he he really felt the blunt of it. And he, I was more there for him than I was there for me. My mom had already assumed I was pregnant. She already felt like I was pregnant. She just knew I was pregnant. So they weren't really shocked. They were just very scared for me just because they knew I was young. I was a partier. Like I was no not fit to be a mom by any means. You know, it was never in my plan. So we ended up moving back to Illinois once I found out I was pregnant and that was very, very hard. It was in the middle of winter and I'm moving back to a place that I don't want anybody to know I'm pregnant in, you know, like I, I don't want to be in this town where everyone says Jordan's 20 and pregnant because mm-hmm. it's normal these days for everyone to be pregnant young, but it wasn't when I was pregnant with Jalen. It was very like, yeah. 
a big deal, especially when you live in your hometown with the tiniest high school, tiniest small-minded thinkers, you know, not nothing against my town, but that's what it felt like to me at the time. It felt like very narrow for me. So I just fell into a big depression, to be honest, after I like accepted the fact that my entire life was about to change, you know? And so I guess as the month went on, was your relationship with your son's dad, like, did it kind of like fizzle out? Did he stay until he was born? Like, you know, what happened with that? Yeah, that's good. So we ended up getting a place together. Again, we're still very rocky. Now we're even more rocky because we moved back into our town where we partied a lot. So I felt very alone all the time. Um, just cause he would leave to go party and his life didn't change, but mine did change. I couldn't do certain things. I didn't want to do certain things. I was very insecure. My body changed a lot. So I just always, to be honest, felt unworthy. Just like, man, this man's never with me. Like my entire life is changing. I felt very alone. So by the time I was six months pregnant on my 21st birthday, I remember I slept on the ground. It got into a big fight. I slept on the ground six months pregnant and I woke up that morning on my birthday and I was just like, this is not going to work. I just knew in my heart it wasn't going to work. You know, there was nothing. It had already gone too far of too many things that had happened that I, and I would never want to shame him. I know we were both young and growing, um, but there was just too much that happened that I knew I could not stay in that situation and be happy or content or feel loved or feel like I had a partner next to me. So we actually stayed together. He had no idea that I was feeling these things, you know, and, and if he did have any idea, he just thought it was like an emotional thing. Like he didn't ever take it serious. So he would still leave, still do these things. And I'm like, I am going to leave. Like I have to leave, you know, but we had that times we had that like statement so many times already said in our relationship because it was so unstable that at a certain point you don't take it serious anymore, you know? So I was just uh, really at fault for a lot of the things that I feel like unfolded because I didn't know how to manage my emotions and I'm, I'm insecure and I'm broken and I, I don't know pure love. So I'm blaming you for all of my trauma and my baggage, you know, and he wasn't responsible for any of that, but he was the one to blame for it because he was with me, you know, and I, my body's changing. I'm carrying this baby and why aren't you here with me? And just so much went down. So we ended up staying together um, until jail was six months old. And I knew with all my heart, I had to leave. Um, and I did. So I did leave at jail. I was six months old and I'm, I'm 21. And I, here I go back into the cycle of hating God. God, how can you let this happen? God, I'm working two jobs. I'm a single mom. I'm 21. None of my friends could relate. Nobody, I felt so alone all the time that nobody could ever understand my process and my pain, you know? And I had some of my friends saying like, Jordan, just stay with them. That's how all men are. I had my other friends saying like, no, like nobody's going to want you and a baby. I had my other friends say there. I mean, there was just so much chatter around me that I felt so alone, no matter who was trying to help me with advice, you know? Um, but eventually, I mean, we, I can't even like, honestly say that to this day, six years later, that my son, my son's dad and I, we co-parent well, because we're just like, if I'm being honest, we're just now like getting to a point where there's no much no more chaos all the time but it's like there's two trains going at the same time and one is full of pain and one is full of joy and they're both right by by each other and that's what it feels like to me like I'm constantly uh having two train tracks going on the same track and it's just two 
one's pain, one's joy. And it's like never ending. They're always going to be next to each other, just going the same pace, you know? So I've just had to learn like navigating through that. And um, just to be more transparent, I believe Jalen's dad is the reason why I'm bad before Jesus. He's almost like the thorn in my flesh. And I don't say that to shame him. I say that because God has used him to really keep me humble and broken at the feet of Jesus. Cause there's a certain pain that I would never share with the world to protect Jalen. And also, cause there's just so much that has happened. So it's, it's just kept me so bowed at the feet of Jesus. And so for that, I'm so, so thankful, but nobody could ever know really what goes on, you know, and I would never share it. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. So you said you left, um, your son's father when he, when your son was six months old. And so, yeah. Yeah. So like, where did you go from there? (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up getting my own place. I had nothing and um, I was in school. So I was in school working two jobs and taking care of Dale. And uh, this is going to sound dramatic, but it was very, very real to me at the time. I could not go to sleep unless I cried myself to sleep. Like I had to be so exhausted from crying that it was the only way I could sleep. So here I have this joyful, bright eyed boy that's keeping me alive. And then I'm hating myself internally because I'm like, ah, how can I look at this boy and have so much love for him and still not want to live? You know, like, because I just felt like I was at the end of, of life because I lost what had become my identity. So I lost who I was in this man. And now I have nobody supporting me. I have nobody to help me, nobody under, to understand me. And so it was very conflicting to have this like beautiful boy, which is the reason why I'm living, you know, and yet still hate the fact that I want to die when I have this boy to live for it, it. So it took me, honestly, I would say six months to stop crying myself to sleep. And that sounds so dramatic. And I've heard people say before, like, oh, I cried myself to sleep. And I didn't ever like think anything of it until I experienced it for myself. And I was like, this is a real thing. Like, this is a real shatteredness, a real brokenness, you know, just being so young and you're life changing dramatically and not having to be there for you. That's, that's a lot, you know? So I think I kept busy and I didn't process through anything and I just kept raising Jalen and it was, I mean, it, it was a joy to raise him, but there is so much, I think that happened in, in just his first year of life that it was almost a blur to me. You know, there was so much pain and so many things that I wrestled with that it was a big blur to me. Like I almost can't fully remember it. And I'm happy that it happened when he was so young, because for people to walk through situations when the kids get older and the, you have a 13 year old who you blurred out that part of their life because you're going through so much. I just, I can't imagine what that's like. It's very hard. So yeah, I lived on our, on our own and I didn't know how to co-parent. I didn't know what a co-parenting schedule looked like. I didn't know how to navigate that. Um, and I was very, very bitter, you know, like I'm waking up every two hours to feed my baby and I didn't know what you know, Jill's dad was doing. And so I was just very bitter. I would yeah. fixate on it so much. Like I would just lash out on him all the time. Like he would, my son would always have double ear infections. So I would miss work so much work. I ended up losing my job and it was just, I just felt so alone in all of the circumstances that, that happened with parenting, you know, like, so here I am trying to heal, also trying to raise my son. And then I have all these circumstances still mixed in too. Like it was just so much at one time. It's crazy that I'm even talking about this because I haven't actually processed that. I went through all that. (laughs) Yeah. So um, you talked about like crying yourself to sleep. I'm I'm curious to know, like, when was that first time if you, if you like are able to recall, like, 
when was that first time where you realized oh I actually like I just went to sleep like yeah. I didn't have to I didn't have to cry myself to sleep yeah yeah that's so good so there was a night I was super anxious I used to have a lot of panic attacks so sometimes if Jalen cried I would get very overstimulated and I would have a panic attack you know um, so there was a night where I was just very overstimulated and I went into the bathroom and I was just crying, 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 crying. And I said, God, if you are really real and you really care for me, I need you to help me right now. And he told me, Mark eleven twenty four, whatever you pray for, believe you'll receive and you'll have. And I was like, I need peace. I need Jalen to stay asleep the whole night. I need him to go to daycare without hating life. And I need peace to sleep. Like I need peace. And so he gave me very, and at the time I didn't, I wasn't saved. So I was led by God. I had no idea. Like, it's like he gave me solutions right in that moment, you know? So I went and like hung up these lights in my house and I just created a space where I wasn't overstimulated and I could bring peace into my atmosphere. And Jalen ended up sleeping the entire night. And I think the peace before the night even began was what I needed to just like, okay, how did I just get peace in one moment when I was just having a panic attack, panic attack five minutes ago, you know? So that, that's when I actually slept the whole night. I woke up the next morning. Jalen slept the whole night. I was like, there's no way this is real. There's no, because he was waking up every two hours, you know? And so there wasn't, even when I cried myself to sleep, I wasn't getting actual sleep because he was waking up to eat. I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't know how to navigate that, you know, um, a feeding schedule. So I was like, there's no way he slept the whole night. Like, what is going on? Am I dreaming? And that's when it, like, that's when it, something like shifted in me, like, okay. I'm not alone, even when it feels like I am alone. But that was the first night. I would say, truly, it took six months, though. It really did for me to, like, have sound sleep. Wow. And so when you, so after that, you know, you finally were able to find peace. You started, you know, to be able to, like, have behaviors to help you even bring more peace into, like, your space or whatever. Yeah. So kind of, you talked a little bit about how even at that moment you weren't saved. So I want to clarify. So the trips that you went on was the trip the second time that you went on. That was after you already had your son, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. So Sorry, okay, I've gone there so. a few times. I had to think which time that was. But yeah, after I yes. had Dylan is when I okay. back and got baptized. Okay. Great. 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 Oh, let's talk about that then. So you went there. So mm-hmm. you got baptized. Yeah. So in twenty, so I got saved on Mar- like okay. There's two different dates in my mind right now. I think there's a difference between being saved and being submitted. Anybody can get baptized and be saved and believe Jesus is, is who he says he is. But when you actually submit to God and you say, my life is no longer my own, mm. I consider that two different times in my life. So I had gotten baptized in 2018. So Jalen is two at this point. Um, but I did not submit to God until March 3rd of 2019. And so I went back to California to get baptized because I had this crazy encounter in California originally, you know, and it shifted me so much. I was like, I know there's something whenever I'm in California and it just makes me, I just feel like that's where I'm supposed to be in a sense. You know what I mean? And eventually I'm going to live there, you know, like I'm still in Illinois, but eventually that's where I will be planted because I can just, I lived there when I was six even. And I remember driving home one night and I told my parents, guys, I see Jesus. And, you know, again, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So they're like, you're out of your mind. So I've just always had this attachment to California when I went back to get baptized it was with the church that I found and that was in 20 what did I say 29 2018 so yeah I did go back there to get baptized just because it was you know where I found God where it all began for me even if it didn't keep me it's where it began for me yes that's good I like how you made that clarification (laughs) 
to let yeah to let people know you can be baptized but you're not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that you're submitted so what the will of the father is for your life so if we want to even go along that path of saying like so you talked about in march of 2019 that's when you finally 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 were like you gave us you gave it up you were like i'm submitted so like yeah walk us through that yeah so there was a day i had come home and um I'm very broken, right? Very, very broken. I wish I could show you guys a version of who I used to be because I was just full of panic attacks and anxiety and depression. And people look at me and they're like, how are you like so happy-go-lucky? And you had anxiety and panic attacks. I was a master at suppressing things. So you could look at me and have no idea that actually internally I'm freaking out. Like I'm about to lose my mind, you know? So I was just very broken. And I came home one day and I fell to my knees. I walked to my apartment and collapsed to my knees. And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore, God. And I stood back up and I had supernatural peace. I I can't explain that. It was like in my surrender, God was like, yes, you're finally at the end of yourself. Like I've waited for this moment, you know? Um, So I went to this church. It was actually the same church that I talked about earlier about sleeping on their pavement, proclaiming to hate God. God led me back to that church and so funny how he does that, you know, like <laughs> he's just so good. So I went back to that church um, where I once said I hated him and I went in there and they had a prophetic ministry room and I mentioned how my dad committed suicide. So he never felt seen. That's what I feel like. He never felt seen, you know? And so I had lived when Jalen was born, I had lived like nobody saw me. I was very alone. You know, like I didn't have anything for my apartment. Nobody saw me. Nobody ever saw me is what I was convinced of. So I went into our church and I went into a prophetic room, which it's just people revealing the father's heart to you. And it was that day, March 3rd, where I realized God sees me and he, cause it was, there was so much that was revealed to me that only God could know about. And mm. that was all I needed was one word from the father to say, Jordan, I have always seen you. Like you've never, I've never abandoned you. I've never not been there with you. And it was in that moment when he marked me that I was seen by him, that it, it was like a radical shift. And God to this day, he'll always say, Jordan, I radically changed you so I could radically save others through you. And it's just proof because I, I'm like a walking testimony. I'm always like going to the grocery store. Hey, you want to know this story? Like, look what God did for me, you know? And I'm going to bring them into that freedom and that love too, because I feel like everyone's desiring to know the real thing. And I didn't know the real thing until that moment. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I feel like I just want to ramble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you definitely did answer the question. Um, So you, you know, you finally became submitted to God and you were like, okay, I'm giving it up. I'm, I'm not fighting back anymore. So I guess, can you like share, like, how did your, how did your life really begin to change? How did you really be able to see like the father's hand and heart in your life? Yeah. So the first thing he changed in me, which when I say that, I mean, like there was a yielding in me. It was like, there was a constant stop sign, a constant, like invisible, but very visible force in me. Just saying like, no longer will your mouth just run. Cause I could, mm. I'm not proud to say this, but I could destroy someone's life in five seconds with the words that I spoke. Like I could slaughter somebody with one statement because of how harsh and critical the things I could say. So the first thing he changed in me was my mouth. Like I used to word curse my baby daddy all the time. And when I realized I was no longer doing that, I was like, who is she? <laughs> you know, like, Who is this new being? And that was one of the first markings where I was like, this really is like truly a transformation. I'm not striving. It's just him in me. The more I'm 
wanting him, pursuing him. It's just a natural transformation that occurs in me. So that's part of the change. And then I also, I had said that I had lost my job because Jalen had double ear infections. Um, so I was in the only number I heard God say was 40 days. And so I was in a 40 day wilderness, a very little wilderness compared to what I've experienced now where I didn't have anything. And I had to learn how to trust God in those 40 days. And when I say radical change, I mean, like it was a dramatic shift knowing I once was never, I always felt abandoned. Now I am so seen and he hears me and he speaks to me and he's leading me in he would wake me up in the middle of the night and just be speaking to me. So it was just uh, 40 days of just only pursuing him and nothing else where I eliminated so much from my life. I stopped, I stopped doing cocaine, going to church and trying to do cocaine. I stopped doing what I was once doing. I was ready to just leave it all. I lost a lot of friends. I was willing to give it all up to have him. And I did like, I, I made it very clear that I wanted to get rid of everything that would stop me from pursuing him or keep me in like a compromised place. So when I started walking that path, I started receiving not just external blessings, but it was internal blessings. I said I had panic attacks and now I no longer have panic attacks. And that is still to this day when I'm driving and I realize I'm not freaking out and not having a panic attack. I, that's, that's enough to keep me thankful because I cannot believe that, that he touched my mind and he healed me from anxiety. You know, like he delivered me from an octopus keeping my mind warped and just distorted, you know? Yeah. So it was like the internal blessings is what kept me and, and kept me pursuing him. Cause there was a freedom that I'd now found, you know, I had always been controlled by circumstances, by people's responses to me, by what they did to me. And now I'm no longer controlled by any of these things. I'm led by love and you don't have power over me. And that is new to me. I had never experienced that, you know? So I was, I was like, it's like God put a mirror to me and he was cleansing me and showing me who he was making me to be and who he had actually always called me to be. But, but the world had so much pull on my soul that it was like warping who he had, had made me to be. Wow. So in your, in your parenting journey, how do you feel like, uh, that also was transformed by you, like surrendering to God? Yeah. So because I came from like a very broken home to begin with, I had already loved Jalen from a completely different way than what I experienced because I knew the effects of what certain situations or certain tones did to me that I had already. It's crazy to think of how I loved him because it was not what I came from, you know, like that, that alone is truly a witness of just of the power of love because I don't know how it came out of me, but what did change was just like praying over him way more and teaching him God. And I had always had this fear in the back of my mind, how am I going to teach God to Jalen, you know, and it's easy to teach God to Jalen because I know relationship with him. So it's easy to teach him how to have a relationship because I know what, I know what it's like to pursue a relationship. How yeah. can you teach what you don't know? You know, and I didn't know relationship with God. So there was always that fear of how am I going to teach this? Well, it's because I didn't know it. So it changed the way I just, um, say things the way I reveal things to him even the way I I co-parent he sees that he's a witness to that and so I try to walk him through and I I'm very honest with him so if I mess up in front of him while I'm co-parenting or while I'm communicating with his dad I make it very known like Jalen mommy should not have done that and I repent and I'm sorry that you saw that and I'm sorry that I did that and mommy just felt this and that is why I did this you know so it's given him a very honest look but um, it's also, he's walked in on me all the time, crying at the feet of Jesus. He sees how dependent mm -hmm. I am upon Jesus, you know? And to me, that is, that is enough to just know, like God is always going to keep him and sustain him because he can't not see 
that mommy wasn't transformed. You know, he can't not yeah. see that mommy is dependent upon God and there's nothing else. That's good. Oh my goodness. Like even <laughs> just thinking about that. So I'm curious to know, like how, how is, cause I know your son has a relationship with God. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, how do you see your son's relationship with God? Like forming? Yeah. So I would say within the last year is actually where I've seen a lot of the seeds that I've sown be, I can see the harvest coming um, because God has given me very clear instructions of how to teach him. God, God once told me, Jordan, I don't want you to just teach him Bible knowledge. You know, like he's going to school, they're teaching him scripture. He's going to church, they're teaching him scripture. I don't want you to just teach him Bible knowledge. I need you to teach him my presence. So I, I teach him God's presence by showing him how I live it. I'm always in communication with God. Like he's in the back seat and he's listening to me talk to God. He's listening to me pray for a person I see on the sidewalk. He's he's always a witness to it. So now I just teach him um through sitting and abiding in God's presence. Like, hey, this is this is how we encounter God. We have to pursue him the same way we pursue uh like he likes to watch certain things. I'm like the same way we pursue this. Or we'll be watching a movie and I'll pause it. And I'm like, Jalen, this is just like hell and heaven this is just like god and the enemy i explain everything you know to make it very real and practical to him because i never want him to not know god and just ride on mommy's faith i want him to to know relationship with god and god has given me so much instruction on how to teach him that so it's just planting those seeds and being intentional and and truly like showing up even when i don't want to you know like at night praying together um i always teach him like jillian what is god showing you right now letting him know that god does speak to him that mommy's not some like holier, higher person, God is just as equal to Jalen as he is to me, you know? And so just teaching Jalen, like, what is God showing you right now? Like, what is God saying to you right now? And teaching him that he does, he does hear from God. He does know God. He, God loves him, you know? And sometimes it's hard because there's, you know, his dad doesn't teach those things. So I have to send Jalen off and we put the armor of God on him before he leaves, you know? And I teach him like, we don't open the doors to certain things and we don't do this. And I always explain to him why people have different views and why they don't believe what we believe. And it doesn't mean that mommy's crazy, you know, because I have to put him around people that, that also believe. Like, it doesn't mean that we're crazy. It just means they haven't encountered this yet and they're going to. We just have to keep praying, you know? Amen. My goodness, I'm getting transformed over here listening to the way that you're parenting your son. I'm like, my goodness. Seriously, it's like, it's like very, I don't Mm. it's it's the love of God like it's seriously it's like wow you can see the love of God and how it's like a lot of people feel like okay I became a Christian boom and Mm -hmm. it's like that's not that's not act that's not reality right like it's it's a process like process continue to be processed until the Mm -hmm. day that you go to see the Lord yeah so yeah that's it's beautiful to me just listening to you the way that you're like planting those seeds I'm curious I'm curious I'm curious to know what your um, advice would be for somebody who is uh, a single mom or a single father who is kind of just like really struggling or they're just like looking for some advice for how they can like co-parent better or even like raise their son or daughter better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. So I would say two things. Um, First, I would say to ask God to help you change your lens on how you view your co-parent because so Mm. often we want to blame them for whatever the problem is and why it's not working smoothly um, when in fact God wants to crucify something in you you know like and this this just happened to me so like when I say it's raw and I'm I'm by no means perfect in it I just got off a three-day fast and I was like God kill anything in me that is not of you 
Next thing I know, I'm texting my baby daddy and I'm crying because he's, he's crucifying something in me, you know? And so in that goes to my second point of allowing yourself to not be comforted by the world. So like in the broken moments when God is crucifying something in you and it's humbling you um, to run to Jesus first, because so often as singles, especially single parents, but as singles in general, we think we're alone. You know, we think we need somebody to cover us, to comfort us, to be there with us, to provide for us all of these things that when you can actually learn that the pain can provoke you to being with Jesus in a way that nobody else can experience because they have other distractions around them, you, mm-hmm. you experience them in new ways. You know, like my pain through co-parenting really has provoked me to keep running to Jesus. But if I had a partner next to me and I wasn't a single parent, I would run to that partner first. And I'm so thankful for those moments where I was alone because it taught me like there was a night where Jesus really covered me. I felt him tangibly hold me as if Mm. I was his wife and he was my husband. And that might sound weird to some people, but it was just like those encounters keep me running to him because I'm thirsty for more of those moments of just like actually being loved by him in a way that no human could ever give me. They can only imitate it of him, you know? So I would say, allow yourself to be humbled and uh, acknowledge that the co-parenting situation requires you to actually be humbled even if they are not willing to be humbled if they're not willing to to forgive and let go and get past they're still god is still wanting to change your response because it i mean i'm being honest we can love people that are easy to love that love us but can you love people that are always trying to pull on you and attack you and accuse you that's where the true test of love really is and so my baby daddy has taught me how to love people that i don't actually want to love you know mm-hmm. because it it's purified the love that is in me. So in, in all that, I would say, be humbled, submit to God and allow the brokenness and the pain and the, the discomfort of being alone in it to keep you running to Jesus in ways that you can encounter him, that nobody else gets the chance to encounter him because they don't know the pain that's pulling you in. You know, we want to like numb this pain. We want to suppress the pain. We want to act like it doesn't exist. We want to run to people. Like we want to get married so fast because we don't want to feel this alone feeling, but it's actually in that aloneness where you, you get to encounter something that keeps you. Yeah. Preach. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ministered to me. That's good. Um, yeah. That, that piece about not looking for that outside validation, but just being like, okay, God, like it's me and you boo. Like, cause, yeah. cause that's what, that's what it has to be in order for you to actually be content, whether you're a single parent or you're just a single person. Like, yeah. I think that's really good. And um, it's so much harder than it is. Like I can say that, but when I'm in the moment and I'm feeling that intense pain or that intense, like longing for something, the last mm-hmm. thing I want to do is come sit with God. You know, like I want to go eat some pizza. I want to go take a bath, forget it, you know? but it's actually in those moments where it's like, he's calling us in. Like, what is our, what is our default mode? What is our habitual response when we feel uncomfortable? Is it to run to the world or is it to run to him to be what he needs to be to us? You know? Mm. Mm. That's good. That's wow. So wise, so wise woman of God. Oh, amen. <laughs> I'm curious to know what, what would you say? Um, what what encouragement or advice would you give for people who kind of need community um, also yeah. in their, like journey of like co-parenting or being a single parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hard question for me to answer because God just relocated us two hours from my okay. hometown. So I can't say I actually I want to be so careful. I've had people around me, but I can't say I've had people invested in Jalen and I the way that I do right now. 
So this is a very fresh um, community that I'm even in, but it's because I think God took me on a certain process and journey to know how to love. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't want to go any further on that actually, because it'll just take me too long, but I would just say, pray, 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 pray. Um, that God sends you the right people and that you would see who he's already sent for you and towards you. And also that he would, because it can be hard to depend on others when you're a single parent, right? Like you, it's very hard for me to want to depend on anybody else. Cause I've been, I'm like independent, but completely dependent on him. So sometimes I'm self-sufficient and God's like, no, I'm not calling you to be self-sufficient, but I've been accustomed to that because as a single parent, you just get used to, to doing it on your own, taking care of it yourself, you know? So I would just honestly say, pray for the right people and trust that God has people not just for you but for your children too so I have enjoyed first of all I've enjoyed our conversation so yeah much. I really have I just I'm curious to know do you what other encouragements or kind of any final like thoughts that you want to give um, mm -hmm. for people yeah I would just say to give yourself grace I think sometimes we're our biggest bullies, you know, like, yes, there's an accuser always accusing us, but we sometimes have this idea in our mind that we should be doing better or as if God didn't consider or take into consideration the choices we would make, what we would do, who'd, who we would date. Like he already took all that consideration. So I would just say, give yourself grace to just be, to just be, literally just give yourself grace to just be okay with how your uh, process is not going to be perfect and it's it's honestly in the the messiness the middleness where the miracles actually come through mm. thank you so much for taking yeah. time to chat with me to share your story i know that this is gonna it's bless me so i know that this is gonna, <laughs> i know it's gonna bless other people so i just yeah. want to thank you thank you, you so, such so good much. questions yeah <laughs> thanks for letting me be on i loved your questions and i just love I love the candid Christians, the conversations. <laughs>